Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host Max Cantor and I'm very excited for the guest that I have today. He just spent the last probably 15 minutes teaching me how to use my audio equipment and not in a mean way either. He was very helpful. I appreciate it greatly. Now he is a stand-up comedian. He's also a YouTube sensation with over 10 million total views on his account. He has over 300,000 total social media followers and you can find him co-writing and starring in a brand new television series for Max. Magic Johnson's Aspire Network. So I'm excited to talk to him all about that. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Trey Moe. Welcome to the show, Trey. Hey, how you doing, Max? Uh, uh, I, I like that. I didn't even mean for that to rhyme, but I was like, welcome to the show, Trey, Trey Exactly. Mo. That's why my, my tag is Trey Moe Show. It rhymes. It it all goes together. But now now you see the flow. It's like you're do- you're practically Dr. Seuss, I feel. Right, right. And um, thank you for the introduction. That was great, you know, because my, my ex-girlfriend probably said I'm controlling. You know what I mean? I thought I'm, I think I'm being helpful, you know, but she'll probably say he knows everything. You know, he thinks he knows everything, but he doesn't need to hear no that. Yeah. Well, uh, it was very helpful. I mean, you walked me through everything step by step. Uh, thank you, you. You told me I look cool wearing headphones. You do look cool wearing headphones. Look, you look official. Uh, you know what? We can end the interview now. I just need that, that little. <laughs> you that got the little. stamp. You got the Tremo stamp. Now you official, man. <laughs> That's good. So thank you for being on the show. We'll see you next time. Take it. No, no, no. I'm very, I'm very excited to talk to you. Okay. Uh, and so to jump right in to the interview, um, growing up, what kind of late night television or TV influenced you in your comedy? Well, late night or uh, late night, because I know this is late night. You know, let's do the rest of the episodes of your podcast. So <laughs> talk about late nights at the beginning. It has to be Arsenio Hall. Oh, uh, the Arsenio Hall show growing up, um, uh, one, because I'm black and I don't think a lot of uh, like this is no knock. But like like in the black household, Arsenio was our like that was like our like one because we didn't have a lot. You know what I mean? So that was like our one like staple of uh, late night. So the Arsenio Hall show. Um, and that's what I, my parents watched. And he had like a lot of guests on there. So they had like the guests that were like uh, I remember he had Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. You know, he would have like guests, guests that were uh, um I guess in a sense that uh, that represented like black culture, so that's what we watched. We watched the Cindy Hall show a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, like once I got older, I went back as a comic. I started watching um, uh, Johnny Carson. Mm. So like I went back and call, called up on like I watched like because I like Johnny Carson like as a um, as an adult. Mm-hmm. So once I got in like my twenties, I was like, let me go. YouTube was around. I was like, let me look, <laughs> look at all these Johnny Carson interviews, man. And then Jenny's smooth. Jenny's like a smooth dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, I really like Johnny Carson. Uh, you know, you know, you familiar with him? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh you okay? All right. Oh, yeah. you know, I know. Ninety. When were you born? I was born ninety seven. Ninety seven. All right. I think. Um, what was the last episode? Was it ninety two? Johnny Carson probably mm-hmm. was like ninety two. Yeah, he, yeah, he was gone. He was going, yeah, 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 but he was the king of late night. That's you know, true. Yeah, that was of, before me. That was his staple. Yeah, that's for me, up. my when I was a kid and all that, and I was watching late night. It was all Letterman. Uh, Letterman was the, was the king. Because that's what your dad watched, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So whatever your parents watched, yep, technically you, you become. Oh, man, you really did listen to these episodes. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm OCD, man. Some people say. <laughs> <laughs> so I listen to everything. Like, I take in, like, a lot of, uh, like, like I'm like a um, sponge, yo. Mm-hmm. I'm like a Rain Man. You ever seen the movie Rain Man? Mm-hmm. You know how he would, like, but, like, mm-hmm. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just absorb it. Absorbing everything, everything. Right. right? But you ask him, "What's like two plus two? He can't tell you. But mm-hmm. you can you can answer like what's four hundred thousand times seven hundred sixty-two? Right. right? Some astronomical number? Yeah. But yeah. 
Right. So you're that way with comedy. With comedy, yeah. 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 So w- draw some comparisons between Johnny Carson and Arsenio Hall. Well, well, I'm going to say uh, Arsenio, um, he was louder. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> he was louder and he had more energy, right? Uh-huh. But in my opinion, the energies are similar because they, they, they're both extremely likable. See, uh, Carson is a very smooth, smooth guy. You know, mm-hmm. like Carson, like you could, you get a feeling like back in the day, Carson like got the girls. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, this was a smooth, this was, what's the language on the podcast? It's whatever, whatever you want. All right, this was a smooth ass dude, right? Smooth ass <laughs> white dude, right here. You know what I mean? Like Johnny, Johnny was smooth, right? You may not be too sure you can leave your moms around Johnny, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Arsenio, he's more louder. Um, he's, he's he's loud, you know. Uh, he he he, root 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 root. I don't know if you remember that. That was like his thing. Like whenever something happens in the in the audience, but the energy wise, like they both had similar energies, but they were different. Like mm-hmm. like um. I remember Carson would have like like these really good moments, like with Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy with the greats. Like he would actually have like some supreme moments that I go back and I watch. Uh, same with Arsenio; they always had like key moments, and I think that's what made them special to me. Because like when they interview people, it was like these little moments that that you could, you could take away and you you can remember. Which I don't really get that with with, with Conan. You know what I mean? With with mm-hmm. a Conan or um, and not to not not to not like a Leno and the rest of the guys, but it's like like. When when I see them interact with guests, sometimes I feel like they're just interviewing a guest. But when I see Arsenio uh, uh, Carson interview with the guests, I feel like they actually make a connection. Sometimes, mm-hmm. I'm not saying the other guys don't make a connection, but I'm just saying what I what I what I feel about. Or he made a connection with the guests, like you watching two friends mm-hmm. go back and forth versus right. watching a guy on late night. Right, it's the you, chemistry, you know. Exa- exactly, exactly. That's the great vi- word when you're the vibing chem- and the everything's going chemistry. right. And then for me, like when I watch late night today, it drives me nuts when the host has their blue card on the desk and they're just reading off the talking points. Right, because the, the chemistry is not is it doesn't seem doesn't seem official. Right, exactly. When it's like that, it doesn't seem official, man. Exactly, but when you can just talk and relate and connect with the person, then not only for the guests but for the audience too. Like you've been saying, you know, it, it's just it's better. Mm-hmm. It's better overall. Yeah. Okay, so that that's very cool. So is that was that your intro to comedy as a kid watching Arsenio Hall? A, a little bit. Um, yeah. My intro to comedy um, was in Living Color. Okay. That's the first mm-hmm. time I saw sketch comedy mm-hmm. was in Living Color, man. I remember thinking, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I remember um, the first time I saw stand-up, mm-hmm. I was I was uh, nine. It was not, no, I was eight. I was eight the first time I saw stand-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just moved into some new apartments. And in the back of uh, in the back of the closet, it was two VHS tapes. It was uh, Def Jam uh, Volume Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I guess whoever moved in the apartments, they didn't take their uh, VHS tapes. And whoever did the walkthrough, then like look in the back of the closet <laughs> all the way to the right. So in my room, it was some VHS tapes, man. And I remember I popped it in. I popped it in. Uh, I popped. I, I popped it in, and then I remember thinking, like, yo, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was the one with, like, Martin Lawrence and Bernie Mac and Chris mm-hmm. Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, damn, this is crazy. And the second VHS tape was called The Fine Art of Congolingas, right? So I thought it was about drawing, right? So I was like, yo, I'm about to learn how to draw. And so I popped it in. It was about eating vagina. And I was like, yo, what is it? <laughs> yo, what? <laughs> so I'm eight, right? I had never seen a vagina before, right? So I saw... I saw stand up in vagina in the same hour, so I never forget that, man. That was like it's crazy. And you fell in love with both I, right. at I the fell same in love time. Immediately. Immediately. I immediately. I immediately knew my calling. You right. Know? <laughs> this is my calling. So when when you watched that at age eight or nine, right. did you realize like 
yeah, this is, I'm going to do this? Or was it more like, oh, this is just cool? Well, I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to do it. But what I did do is I would I would remember all the jokes from wow. the, um, from the, from like, uh, I remember I know Bernie Mac's whole set from that Def Jam. And I would go back mm-hmm. to school and I would repeat it. Mm-hmm. I would repeat. I'm like in the fifth grade, man. So um, I would just go back to school telling the joke. You know, ain't nobody in the fifth grade heard. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm, I'm cracking everybody up. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I'm lying. I'm telling the jokes. I'm telling Bernie Mac's jokes like they're my jokes. Don't nobody uh-huh. know. Let nobody know. It's like, yo, do pussy taste like pumpkin? It's like, I don't know if you ever heard the pussy taste like pumpkin pie joke. Uh, Bernie Mac's like, yo, uh, uh, a girl asked him, does uh, pussy taste like pumpkin pie? And he's like, you know, goddamn well, I ain't never had no pumpkin pie. So it's just, it's, you know, in the fifth grade, is hilarious. But anyway, right. yeah. That's so funny that everyone's like, wow, Trey, you're hilarious. All right. these jokes, you're so Spilling. funny. That's, I was joke thief. That's, that's what I was. I was that's just, awesome. Did you ever try to construct, like, because I know, I mean, it's so great to to get the laughs from your classmates. But did you ever try at that age to write your own stuff, own jokes or sketches? Uh, nah, probably not in the fifth grade. It started happening when I got into seventh and eighth grade. Okay. So what I started doing, um, I started drawing sketches. I would draw like these comic book style sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be like characters of like the teacher, mm-hmm. and then I would do like. Like, like every teacher has like certain, um, she has a certain cadence and she has nuances that she does and, mm-hmm. and certain words that she, she uses. Right. So I had one teacher, she would say, okay. Like after every sentence, okay. So we're going to put the plus in, okay. And we're going to add seven. Okay. <laughs> and so like, if I were to draw like a cartoon of her, right. Everything she would be doing would be like, okay. Okay. Like mm-hmm. whatever she's doing in the, in the cartoons is okay. And that would pass me around the students, uh, to the students and even the teacher's song. And she was like, yo, this is hilarious. You know? So even, <laughs> even though she like would like, you know, the teachers, um, they never really, like, I was a, I'm like, I will be a class clown, but I'll be a class clown to the to the extent like the teachers actually loved me coming into the class when they saw me coming mm-hmm. it wasn't like oh my god he's coming and i can't no it was like oh yes trey's here mm-hmm. so it was like that like the teachers actually enjoyed me like drawing the sketches and and like cracking jokes in, mm-hmm. in class you mm-hmm. know so you knew you knew you were going to be a comedian you could I, feel it I, I felt it but i didn't know like i didn't um it didn't start hitting me i probably when i got in 12th grade in spanish class we had this uh we had this thing we had to do for Spanish class where we had to uh, do like sketches, but they had to be in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I kind of got back into the sketch. Mm-hmm. And then my teacher, she let me do like three minutes of stand up in oh, front of nice. the class. In Spanish? No, 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 no. Oh, I couldn't do English? it in Spanish. She tried to get me to do it in Spanish, but I couldn't do it in <laughs> Spanish. Like, no. So she's like, all right, I'll let you do it in, you know, English. <laughs> so uh, that's what I did. I did like the first three minutes in mm-hmm. like um, in English. Uh, and then down with the college. But I didn't go to college. I went to college to be an engineer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to college to be an engineer. So I didn't go to college thinking, yo, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. It didn't go like that. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to be an engineer, and then I had an internship. I'm like 17, 18. I had an internship. Uh, and then I remember walking in the internship. And then it was cool. Like, I had mastered the AutoCAD. I was supposed to be an electric engineer. It's a program called AutoCAD. Then I was, remember being in my mentor's office, and I remember seeing the pictures on the wall of his family. And I was like, yo, Philip. His name's Philip White. I said, how long you been here? He's like, 10 years, 10 years. And I was like, okay, damn, that's it. You know what I mean? So then once I see <laughs> myself it. at 30-something, you know what I mean, with right. the family on the wall, I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and that's the good thing about uh, internships. Mm-hmm. They give you the opportunity to actually see yes. what your life yes, can true. be like. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so um, once I saw that, I went back to calculus class. And I had this uh, I had this teacher, uh, Tan Ho Lee. He was a, a Asian guy, mm-hmm. but he uh, he spoke really good English, but 
he had a thick Asian accent, so everything he said sounded wise, you know, like a sensei. <laughs> so he was like, if you do not like, he was talking to the class, he wasn't talking to me, but he was like, uh, if you do not like engineering, why be engineer? <laughs> he said, if you like basket weaving, go basket weave. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> this was deep, you know? <laughs> And so then I was like, yo, drop it out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I remember I remember I turned in my calculus test to him, man. I was like, I ain't coming back. This is probably the last test I'm going to turn in. <laughs> and then um, he was like, are you sure? I was like, yes, I'm sure. And so uh, from there, man, um, I dropped out uh, for six months. I dropped out of college for six months because mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I ain't wasting no more money. I don't know what I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to waste no more money in school just taking classes, engineering classes. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out. I dropped out of college for like six months and mm-hmm. I eventually went back. Um, and then I went back and uh, I declared undeci- undecided. I went back part time and went undecided until I figured out my life. Until mm-hmm. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. So during that six months, were you pursuing comedy or you pursuing Oh, oh no. Things? I was uh, fixing Xboxes. Oh, okay. So what I did, I was an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm You're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. I can, yeah, yeah. So I could, uh, I could take things apart. Remember I told you I got like that Rain Man thing? Well, right. I could, I could take some apart, right? And I can know exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I did was uh, when I dropped out, I, I called my dad and was like, yo, I'm dropping out. He was like, what you going to do? And I was like, I think I'm going to fix Xboxes. And so then I started an Xbox business and all I did was fix Xboxes mm-hmm. like the whole six months. And then the business got, because I was broke, man. College had you super broke. So uh, once I started fixing the Xboxes, uh, like people would send me the Xboxes to fix. Mm-hmm. Um. And then once they send me the Xboxes to fix, I would fix them and then ship them back. And then mm. I start selling Xbox parts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So from there, I started making a lot of money. So I had, like at this point, I had bought a car cash. I had to upgrade to a two-bedroom apartment. I had like five friends working for me. Mm-hmm. So like I called him. I was like, y'all don't think I'm going back to college. I'm like, this is, I'm making a, making money now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like making an engineer salary now. So I'm like, yo, forget that. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, um, he's like, man, go back for me. He and my dad don't ever ask me to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, he ain't never put no kind of, no kind of, um, like, threshold on me on what to do or what I can't do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll go back. Mm-hmm. I'll go back, man. And so now I went back to school, undecided. Mm-hmm. And uh, how I got back into, how I got into comedy from there, from the undecided, is I was in class and we had, like, this show and tell that we had to do a communications class. It was one of my random electives. And so then, um, like, I brought an Xbox, of course, showing how I fixed it. That's my show and tell. Mm-hmm. And then this other guy, he showed, uh, he had a clip of a video that he edited, which was Rocky, and he made himself look like he was in the movie. It, oh, when I saw that, cool. yeah, Rocky's like my favorite movie of all time, right? So when I saw that, I was like, ah, uh, oh, damn, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to do videos. I want to produce videos and direct videos. So mm-hmm. um, I changed my major to film, like literally that day. Wow. Once I saw that, I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then I changed my major to film. I think it's super interesting, this theme in your life of taking things apart and, and analyzing them, uh, because definitely, like, before we started talking, before the interview started, like, you got super excited about the recording device, the Zoom H6 I have. Right, and right. And you, you were walking me through all the <laughs> steps, and then you were telling me, you know, how you watched Arsenio Hall and how you just couldn't stop absorbing it, and then we talked about, you know, the Rain Man thing and then yeah. the Xbox thing. So is that how you approach joke writing and comedy writing, where you just break it all down? Yeah, see, with, with, with me, uh, I look at everything. It's perspective. Like, the whole game is perspective, right? So I look at everything um, from the outside, then I look at it from the inside, then I look at it from the outside one more time, and then I see how it works. Mm-hmm. So when I go into anything, man, whether it's business uh, or, or just life in general or mm-hmm. equipment, audio equipment for podcasts, mm-hmm. I want to see how it works. You know, I want to know the ins and the outs of how everything works so that way I can figure out what's my best way to attack. You know, because there's different ways to attack. 
Uh, so you got to, in my opinion, you got to figure out what's the best way to attack. And that's the way I go in with the, the stand up with the uh, with the joke writing per se. Uh, I get mine from more from real life. So when when I'm writing jokes, like I may have a conversation with a girl, a conversation with my homeboy. And then I, I um, sometimes I record and I say, yo, y'all mind if I record this real fast? It's coming because you can feel the energy. See, in my opinion, it's not so much the jokes. It's the energy that comes with the joke. Because sometimes the energy is what makes the joke funny. Mm-hmm. You ever try to tell a joke you heard before mm-hmm. and it just doesn't sound right? You're like, nah, I mean, you had to be there. It ain't that they had to be there. It's that you can't capture the energy that mm-hmm. the comic had when he told the joke. So a lot of times it's not about necessarily the joke. It's the energy that you tell the joke with. And then that's what... And, you, and when I say energy, it doesn't have to be high energy. It's low energy. It's high energy. It's, it's, it's all types of energies that make make the joke right see some people when you say energy they think oh he's high he's he got to do a high pitch you got to yell and scream nah mm-hmm. sometimes in, in joke right you got to drop your energy mm-hmm. so you can quiet the room it's certain it's certain tactics that i that i like listen for or i use while i'm on stage mm-hmm. um to, to capture the audience to make them listen you know like if the room's loud sometimes the r- room's loud you like okay if i go in a room and it's super loud and i saw last comic was having hell because people were talking so i go up immediately make them clap once or twice you know what I mean? You could say so, some so far as yo make some noise for your host. So we you know at that point everybody in the room go clap. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. then I may come out of that and I may drop my voice low because I know they got to hear me now. Or do I may take my voice high or I may drop it low? It all depends. You got to mm-hmm. fill it out. Mm-hmm. That's very that's very cool. But you, you're you're a thinker. Yeah, you're, you're constantly I guess, thinking. Yeah, which is a good thing and a bad thing because I <laughs> yeah. think my brain is always on like uh-huh. on, on ten. You know what I mean? But uh-huh. yeah, yeah, I constantly think. So so after college, I know you you came to Atlanta, uh, yeah. but was that move for comedy or for film or for engineering? It was for uh, comedy. Okay. I actually was at the Laughing School, um, you know, at the Vortex. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever been to Laughing School on Peachtree Street. Uh, I, I, I was um, doing some online stuff with them and I was doing some sketches. So uh, I actually lived in Atlanta for like maybe seven months and then I went to L.A. So I lived in Atlanta for like seven months and I figured, you know, I was coming from Alabama so I'm like, let me do like a medium-sized city. Mm-hmm. Then let me jump to like the biggest city, like in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I did. So I lived in Atlanta for like seven months. Then I went to L.A. Mm-hmm. Did you feel prepared when you went to to L.A.? Were you ready for it to jump after seven months um, in Atlanta? Uh, no. no? Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> look, listen, check it out, right? Check it out. Uh, that's the grandfather clock going off. In case anybody's wondering what it was, is. very royal. It sounded it was very royal. It sounded yeah, official it, in the it, background. Right, it did. So, all right. Um, I think you're never ready. You're never ready for any move, man. Like you got to get you get ready as it happens. So, so when I moved to um, L.A., uh, like I remember, um, I saved up all my money. Like I saved up all my money, right? And even though I had a little money, like I would eat, like I kept everything to a minimum. But I wasn't trying to starve myself and kill myself. Like, I would be eating, like, rice. I eat stuff like that doesn't cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, rice, eggs, fish, sardines. Like, I would just eat stuff that I enjoy but wasn't necessarily going to kill me, you know, health-wise. So, mm-hmm. um, to save money, and I was penny-pinching. Um, and so, when I say I wasn't I wasn't ready, I got ready. You know, once I, once I, I wasn't ready when I made the move. But once you get there, you got to get ready. Because mm-hmm. I believe, like, people are already equipped with everything they need to survive. So, like, if I put you in the jungle right now, you know, spit the night in the jungle, have you? Mm-mm, no. Okay, I guarantee can't, you. Can't say I have. Right. I guarantee you when I come back two weeks later, you'll still be alive. Bar, bar that nothing eats you, right? So if you're in the jungle right now, there's nothing but coconuts and cockroaches. Mm-hmm. At first, you're going to be like, ah, I can't eat this. But when I come back two weeks later, you're going to be eating cockroaches. You're probably going to be cooking them. You're going to be drinking coconut juice because you're already equipped with everything you need to mm-hmm. survive. You just think you're not. You know what I mean? But you're mm-hmm. still like, people still animals, whether they want to believe it or not. They're still mammals. Mm-hmm. They just came out of the jungle one day. Mm-hmm. The first mammal to ever say, let's, let's leave the jungle. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's all we are at the end of the day, whether you want to believe it or not. But you're already equipped with everything you need to survive. Mm-hmm. Everything. So you went out to L.A. Did you have the self-confidence that you believed, I'm going to succeed here? Because it's so intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. when, I, when I, 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 like, see, the thing with me, I've always been able to survive. You know, like, I never had, like, a regular nine to five, right? So mm-hmm. I've always been able to survive. So I never had, like, I never doubt my ability. To, uh, like I told you, feed myself. I can throw me in the jungle, and I'm going to make a way. You know, if I throw you in the jungle, you're going to start a fire. Have you ever started a fire from scratch? I have not. I guarantee you when I come back, if, it's, if it gets cold enough, your ass is going to start a fire. You're Yo. going to figure out a way. <laughs> yeah. you go get some sticks. And you go. <laughs> I'm going to scratch right, away right. until something what was that, starts. Uh, yeah, what was the uh, movie with um, Tom Hanks? Castaway. The Castaway. Remember, he started that fire, yeah, right? he did it. He started that fire. Tom Hanks can do it. I can do it, too. Right. He, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I had the confidence. Um, I had the confidence. I believe, like, when I got... When I when I landed, I was gonna be able to survive regardless of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was cool, but I ended up leaving LA. Oh, ended up leaving LA mm-hmm. after uh, how long? Um, I came. I would. I did LA two times. I stayed for like eight months, and then I came back and did like a fourteen months. So I did a little bit over a year. I did well, not. I did a little bit over two years. Mm-hmm. So in total, I stayed a little bit over two years in LA, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. And then I left. I left Hollywood. Uh, I left Hollywood. Wow. Okay. So in Hollywood, is that when you started getting involved with YouTube and social media, or was that in Atlanta? No, no, no. Cat I, in Atlanta, in Atlanta, I, I got involved with social media. In Hollywood, is when I started getting involved with TV. Okay. So that, that's when I said that's when I started doing more stand up. I got involved with TV a lot, mm-hmm. um, and then I realized like uh, I left. I left because like once we talked about I'm a thinker, and then I, like you said, you must be a thinker, and I saw how things work. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, I looked at the outside, and then I went in the inside, then I pulled back and looked at the outside one more time. Mm. And, um, I left I left L.A., I actually turned down, like, the, the, the show, the Magic Johnson show. I did the Aspire show, mm-hmm. uh, did, did a lot of writing, um, and then I realized, like, TV ain't really secure. You know, you can have one season, and then you don't know if it's going to get picked up for another season. It's true. So your job just is kind of like, you're just in the air waiting. And this is a fact right here. Every show will get canceled. Mm-hmm. Like, every TV show has to get canceled at some point. Now, some go 10 seasons. Some's going to go five. Then some's going to go one season. But majority of them won't even make it past the, the fifth, sixth episode, if it's even greenlit from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, getting a, getting having a successful TV show is like hitting a, lo- a lottery. Mm-hmm. Like, hitting a lottery every time, man. So... Once I realized that, I was like, ah, this may not be necessarily like, uh, I ain't going to say it's for me, but I got, I looked at my tools, my, my skill set and my tools. And I was like, let me, let me readjust. Let me readjust because my, my tool set and my skill set, I could do other things and come back and do this. Um, but it wouldn't make sense for me to just do this, the focus purely on trying to get on a TV show and then it, get, it gets canceled and trying to get on another TV show and then it gets canceled. Nah, I was like, let me, let me leave L.A., which a lot of people didn't understand. They was like, you just got on TV. Why are you leaving L.A.? Mm-hmm. I was like, you, you go understand in a few years why I left L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them didn't understand, but um, it's starting to happen now. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I left. I left to like rearrange some things mm-hmm. uh, in my career. Mm-hmm. So after you left L.A., you came back to Atlanta? Yeah, I came back to Atlanta. Um, I came back to Atlanta. Actually, I was in, uh, I don't know if you know Bob Place. I don't know if you know, he's a comic out of Atlanta. He uh, runs the score. Uh, he came to my house randomly, right? And this this is like random. He was I saw him on in on um I saw him in LA on Instagram. Okay. Uh, I was just random. I was scrolling my timeline. He was in LA, right? So I was like, yo, where you at? You know what I mean? Because I'm in LA. And he was like, man, looking for a place to uh stay in LA. 
come by the house. You know what I mean? So right. he, he come by the house. Motherfucker, I got you. And so he come by the house and he like, what you doing? I'm like, man, I'm looking for apartments in Atlanta. I think I'm going to move back. And mm-hmm. he was like, yo, I got extra room. If you want to come, you know, come crab, you just split the rent down 50-50. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. And from there, I came back to Atlanta and I told myself when I left L.A., uh, I said I'm gonna build I'm gonna build up a solid fan base, a mm-hmm. solid following online, and then from there I'm gonna take that money uh, that I'm able to tour with because I'm gonna go on tour. So once I build up a solid base, I want to go on tour, and then I'm gonna take that tour money um, and then do it all over again, and then that's secure money. So it's like if I do a show and I know that show is sell out, then that's like secure money. You know, if I'm going to this city, that city, and I know I'm able. So basically, what I did was I came back to Atlanta. And I literally opened up my notebook and I was like, I ain't doing nothing in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I ain't doing nothing in Hollywood. Anything they Hollywood try to throw at me, mm-hmm. you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I was like, nah, I don't want to do none of that. Um, and then that's kind of that's kind of what I end up doing. So I end up turning down a lot of Hollywood things. Mm-hmm. And so what I started doing was just focusing purely on my brand and building up a base. Mm-hmm. So once I built up a strong enough base, I went on tour, mm-hmm. which was I went on tour in October. I set up the tour and was like, yeah, I'm going on tour. And then that's what I did. And right now, like, um, like, and the reason I did that is because you got to think, like, if I got a venue, just mathematically, right? If I if I got a venue that holds 300 people mm-hmm. and my tickets are $20 a ticket and I sell that venue out, right, at $20 a ticket with 300 people, that's $6,000. Mm-hmm. Now, what if I'm able to do that three times a week? Mm-hmm. That's $12,000. Now, what if I'm able to do that every week? You times that by four. That's $48,000 a month, right? Yeah. So now you times that by you times that by twelve. Now we looking at um, close to six hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So mathematically, if I'm on TV and they giving me ten thousand dollars an episode, mm-hmm. and they only giving me twelve episodes, right? So you do twelve episodes. So I'm getting ten thousand an episode. That's a, that's that's only one hundred twenty thousand dollars. So you want six hundred thousand dollars on your own, or you want one hundred twenty thousand dollars? But it ain't even one hundred twenty thousand dollars because your agent go get ten percent of that. So let's say mm-hmm. that, let's just round it off and say I made a hundred thousand dollars, right, mm-hmm. on TV. My agent has to get ten percent. Yeah. So now I'm down ninety thousand. My manager has to get ten percent, right? Now I'm down to eighty thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Then my uh your, your business, if you got if you on TV, chances are you got a, a business lawyer, right? Because he's the one that got to read over contracts and all that. Mm-hmm. So now he gets five percent. So now you're down to seventy five thousand. But the IRS coming for thirty. You in a, you in a new tax bracket now, motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> Welcome to a new tax bracket. You you getting taxed thirty five percent, close to really forty percent if you're in L A. Right? Mm-hmm. So forty percent. But he ain't taking forty percent of the seventy five thousand dollars. Uncle Sam wants forty percent of what the hundred thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Or, the, or the gross. So boom. So you take forty thousand off seventy five thousand. How much we left with? That's only thirty five thousand. Now yeah. I'm in L A. So I'm making motherfucking poverty. <laughs> On TV, right? Right. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, once I realized that, I was like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, damn, I'm on TV, but I'm still broke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know right. what I mean? I'm still broke. How is this possible? <laughs> so it's like that. So, but I'm making $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But how the fuck am I? You know what I mean? So I was right. like, nah, nah. So when I looked at that, I was like, I'm going to take a back seat. Um, and I'm going to leave Hollywood. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, why are you leaving, man? And then that's what I did. So mm-hmm. I started building up my own following. And then, um, basically, uh, basically that's what I do now, man. Like I'm just constantly like right now I'm drumming. Like, I put videos out in the net and try and get my following all the way back up. So mm-hmm. then that way I could do more shows and sell out more shows. And my people support me. Mm-hmm. Like my people support me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like my fan base supports me a lot. So how big, if you were to estimate, cause I gave some numbers at the beginning, but if you were to estimate how big your total fan base is, what would you say? I don't know. I would probably say somewhere, but like I say about a half a million, half mm-hmm. a million people, right? But it only takes a thousand strong people to feed you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you got to like, they, like I think a lot of people say, um, see, it's a difference between 
having a following and having followers, mm-hmm. right? Followers, they just, they just, that's somebody just clicked a button and mm-hmm. you may have a million followers. Then you may have somebody that has a hundred thousand, uh, size following that's following. They'll buy your merch. You know what I'm saying? They're coming to your shows. That's a following. They follow what you do. And then the fan base is like everything combined. They go follow you by your merch, come to your shows. They go, they go do what you tell them to do. If, if you say, yo, I'm in this contest, go vote. Your fan base go, they'll vote 20 times a day if need be because they want to see you. They want to see you win regardless. Right. So uh, what I focus on is not trying to get followers because I think I can do some, you can do some crazy shit. You can walk in the store and knock stuff over in a hundred videos. And I guarantee you, your followers will go up just off the fact that yeah. they're like, this dude's crazy. He's just knocking <laughs> shit over in stores, right? <laughs> but that's not, that's not fan base. Right. You, you may have a lot of followers, but you don't have a fan base. And you, you may have a lot of followers, but you don't have a following, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I focus on building the actual solid following. And mm-hmm. then I won't compromise from that. So I just build a following. And then as I build a following, they, 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 go, they go support me. Mm-hmm. Man. So I know, you know, when, when celebrities get, yeah. get big, big following, like I, the thing that comes to mind is like uh, Justin Bieber's followers are called Beliebers. So right, right. Uh, do you have a name for your followers yet? I, 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 I do not. And, you know, I always thought about that. Some people are like, yo, you need to name your your your, your crew, right? Uh-huh. And I just never did. For some reason, I just never did. I can't think of them. I used to try to think of, like, something clever. Because that's big on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. That's big on YouTube. Uh, like, a lot of YouTubers like that. And a lot of young base. A mm-hmm. lot of young base. But now, like, my, my fan base is uh, spreading from, like, 20-year-olds to, like, 50-year-old women. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or 60-year-old women. Like, when I, there's some 60-year-old women coming to my shows. You know what I mean? Um, and then sometimes if I see a girl in the grocery store... Uh, she may say, yo, my mom loves you. Yo, I love you, Tremble, but my mom, let me FaceTime her. Your mom got seated, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like that's the that's the difference. So uh, mm. so just because my following in it, it expanded, like, like it ain't as young as it used to be. So now I'm like, I don't know if I even need it. You don't even need mm-hmm. to call them something anymore because they just, they still support me. So so to answer that question, no, I don't have, I don't have a name for them. And so you actually mentioned something I wanted to ask you uh, after you were done talking. H- how often do you get recognized because you're following so big? Um, like now, like every day. Every day? Yeah, every wow. day. And you can tell like when the juice is going up because the like sometimes like um, – like it, 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 it is weird because like, uh, like I'm always working. Right. So when I go mm-hmm. out and then somebody's like recognizing you or, or, or this or that, mm-hmm. then it's like, it, it starts to happen like every day. Mm-hmm. And then it just happens more frequently and more frequently when you go places. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weird. Cause you know, it's weird. Cause it's not like I'm like on TV and that. And so I'm always in my house working. So mm-hmm. when I go outside and then, okay, people recognizing me now, it's just a different feeling, mm-hmm. but like almost every day. Like almost every day. So what what's the weirdest fan encounter that you've ever had? Um well I had like I never had like a uh um like a super weird one. You oh, know, that's, I may, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I may be like out in public and a girl may, Oh my god, can I have a hug? But you know, I never had like um um anything like 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 stupid crap. I had like an internet stalker. But other than that, really? yeah, they'd be like, yo, I saw you in Publix today. I was like, yo, what the, I'm trying to think about everybody I saw in Publix, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think of everybody I saw in Publix. Because they had, like, it's like the person with the egg, but uh-huh. they, like, they like tell you everywhere they see you, but oh. you don't know. Oh. Yeah, but other than that, man, and then that's scary. That becomes like, damn, yeah, think somebody's been trying to do something to me on some Lifetime movie uh, stuff, right? Right. <laughs> but uh, other than that, man, I never had anything, like, super weird. Like, okay, super that's weird. cool. All the but fans, that's weird, though. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a little weird. It is a little weird. I, I they saw you in public. saw you in public. Good, I saw, good saw you choice. in the cafeteria today. Good choice on cereal. Yeah. <laughs> Pick yeah. the right one. <laughs> right. Feel like they stalking you or watching you. Right. right. Cool. 
right. who the fuck is stalking me? But yeah, other than that, that's about it. So how often do you put out uh, new videos? Well, right now I wrote out like a plan, man. Um, and on my Facebook, see, every platform is different. What you put out on Facebook ain't gonna work on YouTube. What mm-hmm. you put out on YouTube ain't gonna work on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you put out on Facebook ain't gonna work on Instagram. Every platform is run by algorithms, right? Remember, you gotta learn how everything works. So everything is set up in the algorithm so that way you won't. The, every every social media site is made not to kill itself. That's why they change. You know how people are like, why is Instagram changing? Why is Facebook keep changing? Why is YouTube changing? They have to change because. It's glitches in the algorithm and people are trying to master the algorithm and they got to change to keep the social media site alive or to eat itself. So mm-hmm. imagine if every time somebody posted something, it came directly on your news feed, right? Theoretically, it should because you're saying, yo, I post something, they follow me, I want to see it. But then what happens if you post 20 things? Mm-hmm. Then now you drown their news feed out with all your stuff and they can't see anybody else's stuff. Right. So what if everybody posting 20 things now trying to compete? So mm-hmm. that's why they set the algorithms up a certain way. I'm just using that as an example mm-hmm. so that the site the people the, the the consumer won't kill kill the actual product of the social media site mm-hmm. so um i'm just trying to set up now like like youtube likes kind of once a week facebook likes videos between a minute and three minutes like you know if you go on your your, your facebook you're not gonna see no 20 minute videos mm-hmm. in front of your facebook you go on your youtube main page you're gonna see 20 minute video 30 minute videos because that's what youtube likes you know mm-hmm. depending on what platform you're in depending on what you do um, but now I'm getting on a consistent basis of actually posting. So my following is going up now that I've actually said, okay, cause in 2018 I was like, okay, this year I'm going to be consistent. So that way I get a lot, I can get my follower up, get my followers up, get my following up, then get my fan base up and then tour all over again. Mm-hmm. It's, Once again, it's the grandfather. It's podcast. so royal. Yeah, is it like every it's just, fifteen minutes? It's, just, it's <laughs> just emphasizing your your mid, you know, your mid answer, and then it's yeah. just emphasizing what we were trying to say. So, uh, which type of videos that you've done? Because you have different types of videos that you do. Right. Uh, which format has been? Do you think the most popular for you? And this is right. Uh, so far, right now, I do these uh, these puppet videos mm-hmm. with the puppet called mm-hmm. Keisha, like. Like, uh, so what I did, um, at first it was the cartoons. I used to do these cartoon sketches. Right. Uh, which, which comes from like me in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Remember I told you I used to do like sketches. Mm-hmm, the I comics. Just, yeah. yeah. I just redid it, uh, in an adult form. So mm-hmm. in stick figures and somebody asked me like, why don't you do the cartoons better? And I was like, no, it has to be in stick figures. Right. Because in stick figures, the person can take out of their mind and put on a stick figure what they want to put on it mm-hmm. with their own imagination. They can see what they want to see in a stick figure versus me telling them what to see. I just tell them what was said and how it's done. But then they put their own like their own vision on the stick figures mm-hmm. and, and that's why and it's like third grade drawing so you're like yo you've been looking <laughs> at some stick figure videos and i got a million views or half a million views on it and it's it, as an adult you're like damn it's really adult people watching these these stick figure videos cartoons that i'm making um mm-hmm. and then uh i started doing the puppet so at first it was the stick figure videos and that's where i got like most of my following from mm-hmm. like on youtube i built like a six figure following off the of stick figure videos and then when i got to facebook i was like um i wanted to do something different Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like uh, I went to sleep one night and I woke up and I was like I got it I'm gonna be in a relationship with a puppet and then it was as weird as that sound man I woke up and I got a, when it got a puppet man and uh-huh. then when I saw her I was like alright that's the one right there that's and the then, one and then um, you know now she probably up like 30 million views on Facebook um, I just started her new Instagram page like a few months ago so I'm trying to get her following up, like without me, trying to do her thing solo. Uh, <laughs> and what I did was, uh, I wrote out a TV show for it. So I, I started when I wrote something out. I was like, I'm gonna create something that I can translate from the internet to TV. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what well, that's what I did. So once I saw how Hollywood works, right, I was like, all right, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna develop a fan base, I'm gonna develop a following, then I'm gonna develop the puppet of following, 
And then I'm going to take these numbers and I'm going to write out a TV show. And I'm going to go back to L.A. And then I'm going to show them what I did. Like I want my, my dream goal is to NBC, um, possibly a BET, but NBC is, would be where I would want Keisha's World, the, the actual show for the puppet to live at. Mm -hmm. um, and so once I show them everything I got, I think it would be hard for them to tell me uh, no because I took all the no's off the table. When they ask, yo, why would this isn't working? No, I take all the no's they can give me off the table. When they ask me, if they say, I don't think this is going to work or this go work, this go work, I removed all the no's because I'm showing them, like, look, she got a base. If she got a million followers, every video she do get a million views, uh, that means I got a fan base. So if I tell that fan base, I ain't just got followers, I got a fan base. So if I tell that fan base, yo, cut the TV on. Mm -hmm. You know, cut the TV They're on. They're going to turn it they on. They're going to turn it on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because they yes. want. They go turn it on because they want to see me win. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then not only will they turn it on, they actually enjoy what's on the TV mm -hmm. because I'm not steering far from the Internet. You know what I mean? Most of the time, what, what, what works on the Internet doesn't translate to TV because it's not it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So what they do on the Internet, right? Like if you do something on the Internet and then they try to take it to TV in a long format, in a 22.5-minute format, you can't do that because what you what you they're not used to seeing that you know what you what you fed them doesn't correlate to what you're showing them on TV already. Mm -hmm. But with Keisha's world is different. Everything that I fed them on the internet it correlates exactly what they're seeing on TV. So if they watch the internet videos, they go enjoy exactly what they see on the TV mm -hmm. because it's the same exact thing just in a longer format. Mm -hmm. I'm not straying away. How did you come up with the name Keisha? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was just, just like, all right, let me, I try to like, what I try to do was, uh, what Keisha is a black name. I don't think I ever met a white Keisha. You know what I mean? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Right. I it's never met a white. So, so what I was thinking, right. And I was thinking like all white people, uh, not all white people, but like, I think like I try to embody like what a black woman or minority woman go through. And I put it inside of a body of a puppet. Like, mm -hmm. so when I first came up with Keisha, I said, okay, let me get the most, um, common, not common, but a name that you just know is a black woman's name. And then mm -hmm. I try to like put in everything she goes through in life from relationships to uh, being at work. Because um, I don't know if you ever date a black girl, she always talking about what's going on at work and, <laughs> and white people get on her nerves at work. Like that's every black woman's struggle that's in corporate America is white people get on her, 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 her nerves at the job, right? Mm -hmm. And every, I feel like every, even the white coworkers, they have uh, like a black woman. You know, mm -hmm. like every uh, every white establishment, it's a Keisha. Like it's a black woman, like that works there. You know what I mean? It just works there, right? And so, um, even white women, like I, I know, like white women, they just be tagging like other white women to the videos, or they be tagging to like their black coworker girl. This is you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like even that, even they can relate, even though they may not be able to relate with her struggles, they can relate to who Keisha actually is, right? Um, so yeah. That's that, how I came up with the name. That's that's so funny. That is so funny. So yeah. it it's cool how you're implementing like black culture and and yeah. what what African Americans go through every day into all these videos. Yeah. And does that does that pull back to when you watched Arsenio Hall as a kid? Is there any influence there going it, into what you do now? Um, probably. Uh, when I when I look at it. When I look at it from like the outside, you 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 don't realize like how much people influence you mm -hmm. because you're not really thinking about it. But what you everything that we do, we do most of the time from influence of what we've seen, what we've been around. So like if you grew up in a household that was like a strict Muslim household or strict Jehovah's Witness household, sometimes you believe everything like that. So it's like what you do it influences you when you're growing up. But we may not necessarily think that. Sometimes people like to think that okay, nah, uh, this is just what I went and discovered. But nah, that's what was kind of embedded in you as a kid. So you know what I mean? When you go back and watch it, when I go back and watch you, I'm like, ah, I, was, I see where the cadence, where I may see something that I stole by mistake. You know what I mean? When I say stole, not actually stealing, but actually like 
uh, that that influenced me. It's kind of like how Kobe Bryant. You ever seen them side by side videos of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's, it's scary. Like somebody you could take Kobe's. They like literally put them side by side. And they doing the exact same moves yeah. at the exact same time. But then Kobe would get in the interview and say Magic Johnson is his biggest influence. Mm-hmm. How? How when when you can't put a side by side video <laughs> or you and Magic Johnson? You know, no, Michael Jordan is your biggest influence. Mm-hmm. Now you may want to believe. Magic Johnson is your biggest influence on the court. But Jordan, you took all, all your moves, man. You took a lot of your moves from Jordan. But that's Kobe watching Jordan and studying Jordan. But he not, he's not realizing that Jordan DNA is embedded in him. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that happens with uh, comics. Um, it happens with comics. When we look at other comedians as, when we're younger, once we get older, you realize that, that you took a lot of your moves from what you saw mm-hmm. as a kid. Yeah. So, so as a kid, if you were to pin it down to one comic that influenced you, who 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 had the biggest influence on you? Ah, uh, like as a see as a kid and as an adult is different, right? So as a kid, Eddie Murphy, um, and not because of the stand up, because of the acting. I would say because I watched, I grew up watching uh, Coming to America, <laughs> Harlem Nights, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop. Like I remember Beverly Hills Cop. I used to walk around the house, man, and I used to take my bubblegum wrapper and actually think like <laughs> it de- deactivate alarm if I put the fool in the doorway, right? <laughs> All because of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Like every time that beat is forever ingrained in my uh my mental. But um now as I get older, uh Patrice O'Neill, like stand up wise, as I become an actual stand up, like pure stand up, Patrice O'Neill, um, like I, I'm I'm like obsessed. I try to listen to every interview I can, but he's passed away now. I don't know if you ever heard. You ever heard of Patrice O'Neill? I've heard, heard the name. I haven't heard. If you see him, you may recognize him. he died, passed away in like 2011. But Patrice O'Neill, man, he was like a a, a Jedi, a, a mental Jedi. The way he, he he thinks and the way he does relationships and women and guys, mm-hmm. it was crazy. It's crazy. Wow. So you you watched him and his jokes, and that influenced you and how yeah, you looked at the world. Yeah. Yeah, so now, right, I kind of model, not really necessarily model myself, because I, I believe, like, me and him are, we're on two different spectrums, mm-hmm. but we're parallel, but on two different spectrums, right? So, like, he speaks um, he speaks to the woman for the man, and mm-hmm. I speak kind of I, I speak kind of to the man for the woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. very similar in the way we think, but we got on two different, in two different lanes, but we parallel to each other. So, um, so I, I love the way he, like, boxes Whenever he sets up his argument, he boxes them in a the corner, mm-hmm. right? It's like I do the same thing in my stand-up. Like I box the audience in a corner, mm-hmm. and I know that I'm boxing them into a corner with the answers they're giving me, and then I slap them, and I make them realize, oh, he right. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, snap, the way he was thinking is right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I box him into the corner, and I, I kind of got that from Patrice. I, like mm-hmm. I studied the way he would box the crowd into a corner. And um, he was he was fearless, man. So sometimes he'll start off in a deficit. He'll start off, he'll dig a hole for himself in the beginning. And try to work his way out. Mm. And even when he's bombing, he's not really bombing because it's like he's so comfortable. Right. He like y'all here, y'all here listening to me. You know, I ain't here to entertain you. You hear this? <laughs> it's like that. And that's the way the confidence you can feel the confidence coming off of. Mm, that's true because that does take a lot of confidence, especially when you're bombing. To be like, look, I don't care. You're, yeah, you're it's like he, I have the mic. I'm the one talking. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like he's purposely bombing just to see if he can work <laughs> his way out of the bomb. Like yo, he's purposely bombing right now to see if he can work himself out of the bomb, which uh-huh. is crazy. Yeah. And most of the time he does. He's able to. And if he can, he don't give a damn. He sip his drink and mm. he just keep. And he's he always said you could tell a lot by a comic. By the way he bombs. Interesting. You can tell a lot by a comic by the way he bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, describe that. What does that mean to you? So to me, that means um, it's a thing. Like, see, if you bomb with confidence, I don't think you really bomb. Like, see, it's a difference between a guy. 
See, sometimes you can go in a crowd, uh, you can go in a crowd and you can talk your shit. Or you can say, you know what, I can I look at this crowd, they ain't gonna like the shit I'm gonna talk to them. Let me switch it up some. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So let me switch it up some. Um and it and like, okay, so if I go in the if I go in the uh if I go deep in the south, let's say we go all the way to uh, Macon, Georgia, or Opelika, Alabama, or Mudville, Mississippi, right? And it's all white people. Now we just safe to say all these white people probably voted for Trump. So if I go in there with all anti Trump jokes, I'm a bum. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like that, for instance. But you say, okay, you know, I ain't gonna do that tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up because I know this crowd ain't gonna like these Trump jokes. <laughs> but you say, no, fuck it, I'm gonna go in here and talk my Trump shit. But I'm talking with confidence. Now I'm just using that as an example because it's like hot right now. So that's just an example of mm-hmm. that's what I mean by like uh like how you doing it with that's the difference between actually bombing or deciding to like talk your shit with confidence regardless of what right. happens. Yeah. And sometimes you don't bump. Sometimes they be like, yo, this motherfucker's funny. You know what I mean? You may right. go in there and not even on no anti-Trump shit, you just cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. And they may be like, yo, he right. You know, and they be like, yo, this motherfucker's funny, even though he even though they may love Trump. Even though the jokes he's saying, but they be like, oh, it's still funny. Mm-hmm. It's still fucking relatable, and it's mm-hmm. still funny. So it's like it's like that. It's like that. Sometimes you gotta work them in, mm-hmm. and it just shows that as a comic, you gotta believe in yourself and what you're doing. Yeah, because you know? remember, I, I told you like uh, half the battle um, um, is. Well, I didn't tell you that, but half the battle is confidence and mm-hmm. the energy. If you can solidly deliver something with confidence and energy, you gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. Go be all right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your podcast a little bit because uh, we were talking about yeah. you. You uh, were telling me when you interview people, you talk to people. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, I stopped. I stopped doing the podcast when I left LA um, last year. I stopped doing the podcast, uh, but it was one of my most favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like podcasts. I listen to podcasts so much, and, and, and the reason I like podcasts, man, is. Uh, like, I don't know, you familiar with a guy named Barry Katz? Mm-hmm. You got the Industry Standard Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Barry Katz. Like, Barry Katz, like, saved my career with the Industry Standard Podcast. Wow. When I left LA the first time, like, I was lost. Like, I didn't know, like, career-wise what I wanted to do uh, or how I wanted to do it. And then um, I actually found a podcast app on my phone. You know, I never even knew the podcast app was on my phone. Mm-hmm. Like, I had an iPhone for, like, eight years and I had no <laughs> idea the podcast app was on there, right? And then one day, one day I clicked the app. And mm-hmm. then once I clicked the app, I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. You got a bunch of free knowledge. Right. Literally. Oh, yeah, it's true. Anything That's you want to know, man, from sex and a woman to uh, starting a business mm-hmm. to, to finances to comedy is right there on your phone for free. Mm-hmm. Like anything. If you want to file bankruptcy, you can listen to 100 episodes of people explaining why they filed bankruptcy and what they had to do. Anything. Anything you want to do. You want to start a business. You want to start a clothing line? Anything is right down the podcast app. And I tell people all the time, yo, the knowledge is right down the podcast app. So uh, what I wanted to do was when I started my podcast was like help somebody that was lost mm. the same way Barry helped me when I was lost. Now, Barry Katz podcast will be two hours. Mm-hmm. He got this real mundane voice where he sound like the narrator. Um, on, I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. The Wonder Years, okay. It was, you know, Boy Meets World? You mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Boy Meets World? Wonder Years is... Um, is uh, uh, Fred Savage is the older brother of Corey Savage. Okay. So Wonder Years was before. Wonder Years is like in the 80s, early 90s, right? And then mm-hmm. Boy Meets World was like a redo in like the mid-90s. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, so Barry Katz got the, Barry Katz got one of those voices where it's like a low monotone. <laughs> so a lot of people probably won't be able to stomach Barry for two hours, but I can. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what I did was I kept my podcast like 30 minutes to an hour, you know, mm-hmm. in that little range right there. And I try to drop like what I wanted to hear. When I was lost in the mm-hmm. podcast. So I would interview like certain guests and try to pull out what I wanted to hear when I was lost in the game, thinking that one day maybe some kids go be lost and he go stumble across his podcast and then this was going to save him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Wow. So so you're not doing the podcast anymore, but you're still you're I'm gonna start it back up. I'm gonna start it back up. I am I am gonna start it back up. I'm not I'm not out of the podcast game. I just wanted to be able to do it consistently in the way I wanted to do it. You know what I mean? And uh career wise what I took when I took that left turn from Hollywood, Mm -hmm. I kinda like blackballed myself from Hollywood. They still call me like you wanna do something, you wanna get on something, like no. So they, but I don't say no like that. I say no in a nice way. You know what I mean? But so I kind of like blackballed myself from Hollywood, and I was like, I'm gonna build my following up. I'm gonna go on tour, and I'm gonna do things the way I want to do it. Um, then I'm gonna come back and do the podcast properly. Okay. When I got the means, when I got the means to like really make it consistent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're you're making YouTube videos. You have a huge following. You know, everything's going well. Uh, do you consider yourself successful? Like, are you satisfied with where oh, you are? No. 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 Not not at all. Like. Probably because I'm not, um, that's the grandfather clock again on, on perfect timing. I don't know. You guys may be able to hit a grandfather clock. Yeah, you, I, they're, they're just going to think we're crazy. Right. <laughs> Talking about they some unknown grandfather clock. <laughs> right. So uh, um, do I consider myself successful? Uh, I'm, I'm going to let the clock chime. Now, you edit these, right? You edit these? Or you um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, edit them? Edit All right. Them. Okay. Do I consider myself successful at this point? No. Uh, because I haven't like put up the uh, trophy. Like I, I feel like if this was the NBA Finals or the college football playoffs, I haven't like held a trophy up. So mm-hmm. like I'm in the game. I'm in the game, but I'm not like uh like this is this is what I believe, right? Uh, and I may be wrong, but I believe in like five years I'm gonna be one of the biggest comics in the world. Like only only because I can see everything. I mm-hmm. think better than a lot of people can see everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I take in way more information. I can, this is the thing, right? I learn very slow. Like I learn slow, but I process really fast. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of tricky. Like for instance, I may, like if I'm in a college class and you got to take a test, I'm going to be the last person turning in my test. Mm-hmm. Like this, I'm always the last person turning in my test my whole life. So I'm kind of used to that. But I'm also the captain of the, of the academic bowl team, the captain of the science bowl team. You know, I was a scholar of the year. So it's like that. Like, like, um, I'm like the slowest fastest person if that makes any sense so <laughs> i learn kind of slow but once i get it i'm able to process faster than the average person so mm-hmm. either one day you will see me and you'll be like oh man he sucked right and then you'll come back like two weeks later and you'll be like god damn how you able to do that so well you know what i mean so it's like it's like either i'm an extremist so either I'm, i suck ass or i'm like extremely good you know uh-huh. what i mean so but it happens literally like in a small amount like a small amount of time like i'd be really slow at something and then once i get it I can like master it really fast. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of how I'm looking at it with comedy because you got to be able to pivot in uh, all the bullshit that Hollywood gives you or the game gives you or comedy gives you. I'm able to switch positions mm-hmm. really fast and pivot and process. So now I'm kind of like processing what I'm doing because what you what what it took to be successful in 2013 isn't what it took to be successful in 2016. And what it's going to take to be successful in 2016 isn't what it takes to be successful in 2019. And 2019 mm-hmm. ain't going to be what it takes to be successful in 2022 the fucking blueprint changes it changes yearly literally yearly so you have to pivot you got to be aware you got to be able to focus on every Seinfeld got this saying where you got to be able to focus on everything you got to be a focus on one thing but be aware of everything that's around you and that's kind of how my brain is how you kind of say you always thinking I say it's a catch-22 sometimes it's good then sometimes it's bad because I'm constantly even though I'm focusing on one thing I can I mean, oh, what's going on over here? And I got to focus on this. Be aware of that. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of comics, they don't they don't possess that skill. Mm-hmm. They just able to focus on one thing and they're not aware of anything else that's around. Mm-hmm. And like how you just said in the, in the beginning of the podcast, oh damn, you listen to the you listen to the when I when I said something about you, it's like you listen to the podcast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you listen to the episodes. It's like that. A lot of comics they don't do that. 
You know what I mean? They just mm-hmm. focus on themselves. They got tunnel vision on themselves. And that's, in my opinion, they go fail. Like majority of the time you go fail. And I ain't saying you go fail every time, but majority of the time you go fail because you're unaware of everything that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I'm a, I'm a skate faster than everybody because I'm so aware. My awareness is on 10 and my ability to process is on 10. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. What, what's, what's, what, what year is this? This is 2018. Mm-hmm. 2023, maybe I pull this interview back up. You're like, yo, Trey Mo was on my podcast. Exactly. <laughs> right. We were sitting at his auntie's house in Atlanta <laughs> looking at the lake on the backyard. <laughs> and he told me that he's going to be one of the biggest comics mm-hmm. in, in, in the world in five mm-hmm. years. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Only time can tell, man. That's right. My dad always says that time time proves all. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. That's true. I'll come I'll come see your stand-up show when you're selling out arenas. Madison Square Garden. Madison yeah. Square Garden. I'll come see you. I'll be way up top. I'll be hey, yeah, yeah. hey Trey. <laughs> Yo, Max. You know? <laughs> you give me that single shout out. Max is just pointing right up. I'll salute you. <laughs> the salute. The infamous we'll, salute. We'll have a moment. A moment. Be, <laughs> I see you, boy. Yeah. So uh as we start to wrap up the interview, I have one right. last question for you. And it's a question that I ask all my guests. Um and it's it's an important question to me because everyone's so different and it's so awesome to hear everyone's different perspectives. Uh so I'm building this up a lot. For no reason, because it's not that big of a question. Okay, but, hit me with it. I'm like, right. I got, I'm, I'm trying to anticipate the answer in my head. What's the question? Sorry. So, uh, All right. if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say, trust yourself and don't take advice from anyone. But that's advice. <laughs> so, so you be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> it's a riddle <laughs> it's a riddle trust yourself and don't take advice from anyone but if you take that advice you just took advice from me so you're already failing you're already failing <laughs> you know what i'm saying um but in totality uh, if i had to go outside of like one piece of advice mm-hmm. uh this is what i would tell them i would say uh all right i'll tell a story i was coming out i was on sunset right and i was coming out of comedy club and this guy was ha- hopping in a lamborghini right and i was like yo my man's give me some advice and he was like, what you mean? I was like, you hopping in the Lambo. Tell me something. You know something. <laughs> Give me some advice. Right. I'm broke right now. Give me some advice. And he was like, all right, listen. He said, you want some advice? He said, what you do? I said, I'm a comic, man. He said, you're a comedian. He said, all right, check me out, right? He said, uh, if you could have sex with any woman in the world right now, who would it be? And I'm like, what kind of fucking advice is this? Where you going, man? He said, no, no, no. He said, listen to me. If you could have sex with any woman in the world right now, who would it be? So I was like, all right, let me get Beyonce. And he was like, all right, Beyonce. He's like, yeah, like, let me get Beyonce. Anyone? He's like, all right. He said, all right, Beyonce. So he said, all right, if you was about to have sex with Beyonce, how would you fuck her? I said, what? What you mean? He said, would you try to just get your neck, get out of there? Or how would you fuck her? I said, I'm going to stand up in that, man. That's Beyonce. I got to try to put on my best game. I got to stand up in that. He said, all right, you won't become successful until you fuck your girl every time like she Beyonce. And for a minute, it caught me off guard. He was like, I see you still kind of lost. He said, so I'm going to tell you what. So you, you're a comedian, right? I said, yeah, I do stand up. He said, okay. Now, if if uh, if uh, Puff Daddy, because at this time, Puff Daddy had like the Bad Boys of Comedy Tour, right? He said, Puff Daddy threw you on the Bad Boys of Comedy Tour. When you got off stage and you saw Puff Daddy, would you thank him? I said, yeah, he threw me on the tour. He said, well, if you didn't see him when you got off stage, but you got his phone number. Would you call him and thank him? Would you text him and thank him? I said, yeah, I'll probably hit him with a text. and be like, you know, thank you for the opportunity. He said, okay. Now, if Joe up the street, they run Joe Crab Shack, and that holds probably 15 people got an open mic night, and you go in there and there's only six people in the crowd, and he lets you come do the open mic night. When you get off stage, you go thank Joe. 
when when you get off stage and you don't see Joe, are you gonna call Joe and thank him for letting you do the do the the open mic with the six people in there? And I sat and thought about it. I was like, I don't know. He said, and I see now he said the person that's gonna give you your break ain't gonna look like the person that's gonna give you your break. And the person you think gonna give you your break ain't gonna be the motherfucker to give you your break. But if you fucking everybody sorry every time, then you gonna miss out. He said, because Joe may not be able to uh, help you directly himself, but he may have a cousin or the brother-in-law that's the agent in L.A. He said, yo, man, you got to see this kid do this. He's a real humble kid. He, he funny. He come in here every time. He on time. He prepare every time. He, he never let me down. And then he may throw you to his brother-in-law that's the agent in L.A. And that may be how you get your break, right? So you got to fuck your girl every time like she Beyonce or any woman that you want to, you know, you get what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. Because what you don't want to do is... Fuck, fuck, fuck the person bad that's going to give you that, that, that could give you your break. Cause your break is hidden, man. Your break is hidden and you got to go, you got to treat everybody. The, basically he was saying, you got to treat everybody the exact same at a high level. Mm-hmm. Like Chick-fil-A go say, thank you, sir, to the homeless guy. Mm-hmm. They go say, thank you, sir, to the guy with the three piece suit that's tailor cut. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the same philosophy. And you always want to go back to Chick-fil-A cause you know, Chick-fil-A is always going to do you right. Chick-fil-A got my meal wrong one time. They gave me a fucking free chicken sandwich. You know what I mean? It's just that. Thank y'all, man. I can't even. Now you can't even be mad. <laughs> right. Because they gave you a free chicken sandwich. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So my advice to them would be fuck your girl every time. Like she Beyonce. That was amazing. I feel <laughs> I feel like my life has changed. <laughs> I, I was sitting there in my head. I'm like, where? Where is this going? Just exactly. like how you, how you were saying, yeah. you know, when he was talking, you were like, excuse me? This is some weird Hollywood <laughs> shit. This right. is some weird Hollywood <laughs> right. shit. And then but, at the end, it all tied together. Said, Damn. That's crazy. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. I thought about it since then, man, I always try to make sure, you know, kind of how you, like, the same way with you. I know it's how you apologize in the emails and all that, but I said, nah, man, it's my fault. You know, just as much as, you know, we, it ain't no ain't no big deal. So it's like that. Um, it's, it's like that, man. That's why I try to treat everybody with respect, mm-hmm. you know, the same way, because you never know who's going to give you a break. Mm-hmm. You never know who's going to give you a break, man. That's very true. That's very, very true. Yeah. Well, that was, I have to say, that was probably the best answer to that question that I've I've received because right. I'm going to be telling people about that. <laughs> Believe me. When anyone comes to advice, Max, you know, I'm about to take this hard test. Can I have some words of wisdom? Oh, I got words of wisdom for you. You better fuck Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who Beyonce is? <laughs> I'll let them know. I'll definitely All let right. them know. So, Trey, if people want to check you out online or see you do stand-up when you're torn around, how can they find out more about you or see you? TreyMoShow.com or TreyMo.com. So, I'm going to say TreyMoShow.com. That's T-R-E-Y-M-O-E and show, S-H-O-W.com, man. All my links will be there. All my tickets are going to all my excuse me, all my tickets are going to be on the website, and everything's right there. All right, right there, visible. All right, perfect. Well, definitely. I mean, from sitting here, it's our first time ever meeting, but just sitting here, I I can definitely refer you and tell people. I'm sure it'll be a blast if oh, they, yeah, they check you, you out. You should come through. I'm gonna throw you and your whole crew some Atlanta tickets. Man. I, look, we'll be there. We'll all be right, there. Let me know. I got like support. some comps. The last one sold out, but I always keep like ten extra tickets, ten fifteen extra tickets just for the. The throwout sake of mm-hmm. when I see somebody, I'm like, you won't come, you know what I mean? Yeah, Just, we'll be there. All right, let me we'll know. We'll be man. there. Right. So a big thank you again for Trey uh to for being on the show today. Uh and remember, to anyone listening, you can find us at our Facebook page at Talking Late Night. You can also find us at our website, www.talkinglatenight.com, and you can find us on iTunes where you can remember to rate and leave us a review. So thanks again for Trey for meeting me here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.